You are listening to Kilometer Zero by the Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. On Sunday, the 24th of July, 2022, all eyes will be on the Champs-Élysées, waiting to find out finally who will pull on that sacred yellow jersey. Now, I'm not talking about the final stage of the Men's Tour de France. I am, of course, talking about the first stage of the inaugural Tour de France fam. Now, much has been made of this new race's place in history. And for more on that, then I suggest you take a listen to the Kilometre Zero 1984 from earlier in the week, where Lionel interviewed the first winner of the Tour de France feminine, Marianne Martin. But in this episode, we are talking about the racing for this week. And joining me in that is our resident pro, Lizzie Banks. Hello, Rose. I am absolutely delighted to be here. I mean, what an historic moment for women's cycling. I'm just beside myself with excitement and I can't wait for things to get underway. Now, I have to say, Lizzie, you did so well in our women's tour preview that almost everything you said pretty much came true. (laughs) So... uh, I would say that any 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 wise people should listen, or people who wanted to put maybe if you're placing gamblers bets. even, yeah, yeah, exactly, should be listening to you. So, uh, <laughs> so tell tell us, let's get straight into it. You know, what's your kind of overview of uh, the race? Well, starting with the first couple of stages, we're looking at two sprint stages. Stage one on the Champs Elysees. It's adding a little bit of extra sparkle by starting at the Eiffel Tower, but then it's going to the classic circuit on the Champs-Élysées that we see the men finish on every single year. That, of course, we started La Course with back in 2014. Now, the obvious choice for the winner of this stage has to be Lorena Vibas. We've seen she's been in absolutely electric form, winning all three stages of the Ride London Classic this year, winning again in the Women's Tour, and just winning everywhere, to be honest. But... Lizzie, I can't believe you're already making your prediction. You've fallen into that trap already. <laughs> How can you not? What's this? How can you not? How can you not <laughs> predict against Webus winning in a strict sprint? But that's true. Maybe, that's true. maybe you can. I, I do have to say, you did say you know that Lacourse started there, um, which was the kind of the forerunner to the to this Tour de France fam that we we now have. Uh, that was like the one day race that the Tour de France organisers put on on the Champs Elysees and. I think it was 2014, 2015 and 2016 that it was on the Champs-Élysées. But that wasn't always a, sp- a sprint. I remember that 2015, uh, Anna van der Breggen, no less, won by breaking away, I think, on the final lap and held on to have like win by almost only just a, a second. Do you not think that, that with that yellow jersey in mind that those kind of riders might because it is also it's cobbled you know it's what? not just a I think total that there flat are, pancake is it there are so many good sprinters here that the sprint trains won't let that happen you've got Lorena mm. Vibus with her DSM sprint train you've got Mariana Voss whose team is designed purely for the sprints in these punchy stages like we're going to see in stages three and four um and that team and she is has purely one the there. Easy, of course yeah of well. course she knows Voss how to do the it first one. she left the Giro recently in absolutely sparkling form in order to prepare early for this so she has got yellow in her mind she is ready for this and I think to be honest it would be a really really fitting start to the Tour de France to have Mariana Voss in yellow but of course let's not forget the world champion Elisa Balsamo we've got Lotta Kopecky who's been winning everything this season starting right back with uh, winning Strada Bianca and leading the women's world tour for so much of the season Um, your you know namesake Alexandra Manley 
Wouldn't it be great <laughs> to have a manly winning on the Champs-Élysées? <laughs> well, you know, I, there's uh, not only is there a manly in the um, Team Bike Exchange team, but there's also a Roseman as a surname, <laughs> Roseman. Yeah. So, like, Roseman and Manly, that's my whole name in one team, which is I thought was, yeah. Well, Ruby Roseman Gannon is also a great sprinter, so there is a great chance that you will have at least one of your namesakes on, on, uh, oh. on the podium. But I think because <laughs> of the interest in, in that sprint finish, other people like Chiara Consoni, an outsider who really shouldn't be considered an outsider, mm. but only is because she's on Valcar Travel and Service, um, and there's just too much interest to keep it together for a sprint and too many people that really believe that they can take that jersey um and i think that'll be the same for stage two and we will mm. we will have another sprint on stage two um and it'll only be stage three where we then start to see a shake-up and uh you know things to start moving around in the general classification yeah stage three has really caught my interest actually partly because uh it's very similar to the um stage three in the 2019 Tour de France, which was won by Julian Alaphilippe. And I was there uh, at the finish line working for um, Quickstep at the time. So it really sticks in my mind that it was a really punchy finish. And I think uh, in the last 20 kilometres, um, you've got uh, you've got two categorised climbs and then the whole thing finishes with uh, 500 metres uh, at 8%, which isn't categorised, in fact. Um, so... That will be really punchy and, uh, yeah, we're expecting to see some time gaps there. Uh, could that have any influence in the GC or you think the GC contenders will be keeping their powder dry at that point, Lizzie? Well, Rose, I thought you were going to say this stage interested you because it finishes in Epinay, which is, of course, the home of Champagne. The riders will ride through the streets where all the Champagne houses are by, before taking this right turn, on, like you say, onto this short, punchy climb. And the average of 8% doesn't do it justice because it's got a very steep ramp and this one has got Mariana Voss written all over it. Capecchi, Vollering, Norsgaard, Utrup Ludwig, they'll all be snapping at her heels and wanting to take take this stage too but this is a test of positioning you've got to be positioned perfectly into that final right hander onto that final climb and Mariana Voss is the master at that and I can't see anybody else winning this stage other than Mariana Voss oh that's very interesting so you don't think well I mean not that I'm saying that Mariana Voss isn't a GC contender but uh, well, I guess we'll talk about the GC contenders a little in a little more detail uh, later on. But you, you're not thinking that this would be uh, an early grab at the yellow jersey to win that overall by the end. I think that the GC t- contenders will all have to keep their eyes open, be very aware and be very aware of gaps because it could come down to seconds at the end of this race. We just don't know. And it is the kind of finish where you will create gaps and there will be a much, much bigger gap if you are not in position leading up to this final climb. And I don't think Mariana Voss is looking for the overall. I think she's looking for stage wins and she's looking to to take a yellow jersey for part of the race. Um, she is not good enough on the steep, long climbs in order to, to look for the overall GC, in my opinion. Um, and I don't think that will have been her aim leading into it. She would have had to train differently and she knows that she's just got that that really sharp, punchy kick where she can win stages like three and four. And she's also got such a great sprint that she can win on the Champs-Élysées. So that's what she will have been training. That's what we saw in the Giro. And that's why she's absolutely my number one for stage three. And then looking on to stage four, which is a brutal stage. It's in a part of France, which Francois told me, 
that the Tour de France has just never been to before. He said, these roads are crazy. And from my eyes and ears on the ground, from my friends who've done the recons, this stage, stage four, the gravel stage, is going to be absolutely solid. Do not expect the chance of a breakaway to succeed here. They won't be given much room because the yellow jersey is up for changing hands. And this is the stage where the fight for the overall could be lost before it has even started. Yeah, because it's, it's a 13 kilometres of dirt roads uh, in total, which is spread over four sectors. But there, in between that, there are five climbs. It's tough. So, the, you know, it, even though it is, you know, the gravel stage, it is not just about, um, you know, keeping on your bike during the, the gravel traps, um, is it? And, and I have to say that the p- women's peloton are quite used to having these kind of more uh, tricky terrains to deal with in their stage races. Um, I mean, I remember in the Giro Rosa in 2020 on stage two, um, that phenomenal ride by Annemiek van Floyten, who I can't believe that's the first time we've said her name in this preview, which is ridiculous. <laughs> she, is, she is coming to this as the certainly the, the favorite. Uh, number one in most people's eyes for the GC. Uh, but she soloed away uh, on that Giro Rosa stage and won it by kind of two and a half minutes or something. So, well, I'm sure you'll also remember, Rose, that that was the stage where Elisa Longo-Borghini lost nearly five minutes on those gravel sectors. And I remember her being absolutely mm-hmm. devastated at the finish. But during the course of the rest of the race, she clawed her way back to third place overall, which was really quite a remarkable achievement given how much time she'd lost so early on in the race. But it shows how much difference and how important these stages can be in terms of, you know, keeping your place in the general classification and not losing time um, and how risky they can be so everything will be prepared you know all the, all of the special gravel tires uh, they'll have extra people on all the sectors to try and kind of mitigate the chance of any misfortune but there is room for disaster and it should be a spectacular stage to watch and what do you know lizzie of what kind you know because you know gravel is such a broad uh, term in cycling it really could mean something paved with a bit of loose dirt it could mean something like the white rose no. of Bianchi. what are we talking yeah. about there I've been told that this is pretty pretty tough gravel as it goes um, I've been told that some of them wouldn't really even describe it as gravel <laughs> so so I, I wow. expect these roads to be to be pretty hard um, and it sounds like the sort of roads where where mechanicals and punctures are likely. So it's going to be about going in in a good position, um, just trying to do everything you can to to prevent that misfortune occurring. Um, and that's just staying safe, staying out of the way. You know, the risk of crashes are so high in this situation as well. But that's what brings us the drama. So we want everybody to stay upright, but uh, we just hope for a really exciting race. And I, I, I think stage four will deliver. And I also think, barring misfortune, it's another one for Marianne Vos. God, you're just Mariana Voss on every single stage so far. But <laughs> stage safe, five should bad. be a, a bit... <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. Stage five should be a bit of a quieter um, affair, shouldn't it? That's the longest uh, stage that, the, it, that has ever been in the Women's World Tour, actually. 176 uh, kilometres um, is that stage. And that's actually 40 kilometres longer than any of the other stages uh, in this race um, is that going to be a breakaway day do you think Lizzie yeah I, I think the stage five and stage stage six are both sort of transfer stages and with the length of stage five and with the fact that stage six is the final day before the final two days 
Um, and the GC contenders will be really wanting to keep their powder dry. I think that's a great opportunity for people to get up the road, to take advantage. Whoever's holding the yellow jersey on stage four and taking it into stage five will be more than happy to let a break go. Um, there'll be no interest in kind of holding holding a breakaway gap for 175 kilometers um, with one team because it's just so much for for six riders to do of course in the men's tour de france you've got eight riders so you know you can perhaps devote Mm. five riders to holding that gap and keep two for the lead out whereas if you want riders fresh for the lead out you can't have have four riders on the front for for 170 kilometers so these two these two stages pose a real real opportunity for the breakaway and an opportunity for the fight for the jerseys for the green jersey and for the mountains jersey there's quite a lot of points on offer in those stages and looking ahead to stage seven and eight the mountain stages it might be more difficult to get those mountain points as we of course expect the gc contenders to be fighting it out at the front of the race, particularly on the final stage and probably on the penultimate stage as well. And therefore yeah, taking those I'm mountain points. Yeah, I think what I'm looking forward to in those uh, kind of sort of middle to the end stages, stage five and six, are seeing some kind of new contenders maybe or, or, or new possible stars of the future come to the fore because I think, uh, like you said, you know, putting Mariana Voss down for a lot of the stages, putting Annemiek van Vleuten down for a lot of these the stages these are you know veteran riders riders that have been around for a very long time have been winning for a very long time and I think there's a great opportunity in stage five and six for maybe some other names to be thrown in the mix have you got any names oh apart from Mariana Voss Lizzie have you got any other names (laughs) that you're going to throw in the ring for stages five and six those kind of bumpy possible breakaway possible sprint finishy race um stages well, you know, this is not a new name and it's uh, definitely not a name somebody doesn't know, but Marlon Reuser, she is always one you've got mm. to watch. And especially on this long stage, this is a stage that can suit her really well. She is such a powerful rider. She can go on for absolutely ever. If she's allowed to be let off the leash, then this is a great opportunity for her. There are some riders that I've been really interested about watching. Um, Ali Wollaston, the young Australian rider has had a phenomenal season. She's got this phenomenal opportunity to race the Tour de France and she's had a win um, already this season and it's such a big opportunity for her. If she can get away, then she could do something really special. Really special. Um, now, there's another sprinter that I've been watching this season, Simone Boylard, and I wonder if she can get herself into one of these breakaways that is likely to come down to a bunch sprint, then I think she has got a really, really great chance of taking a stage win here. Um, she's been a really aggressive racer all season. She's been incredibly exciting to watch. She's really up and coming. Um, I know I would snap her up if I was a team owner. So just interested to see what she can do. And I think that would be... the. That's those stages, um, you know, stage five would be a perfect opportunity for that, wouldn't it? Because there are a lot of challenges in this Tour de France. I mean, it, they've gone in with this first Tour de France and it, there are a huge number uh, of challenging stages in it. So it is likely there is going to be a couple of stages where the, the break is allowed to go um, and uh, all the peloton sits back a little bit, I would assume. And, and I think that's kind of that middle to end time which is exactly when it's going to be exactly and we so often see that in the stage races that just you know the day before or two days before the really big stages 
none of the GC contenders have any interest in using any extra energy. Their mind is on what's to come. They're thinking about Lamarckstein and Le Grand Ballon and La Planche de Belfi, and, and they just want to save everything that they can for those stages. They know that, you know, a few seconds here and there isn't going to make any difference when it comes to, to, these, to these stages at the end. And these are riders that aren't going to be contenders for the GC overall. You are listening to Kilometer Zero by The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Well, let's talk about those um, tough stages at the end, stage seven and stage eight, back-to-back mountain stages. Um, now, of course... A lot has been said about the very final stage and its summit finish uh, on the Super Planche de Belfi because obviously that was most recently seen in Stage 7 in the Tour de France with Tadej Pogacar winning uh, there. But what can we say about Stage 7? Because that is a a massive challenge um, and also has a a climb with the fantastic name Platzoassel, which I... (laughs) just want to be there for the name. I was trying to practice pronouncing that earlier and I don't think I was doing a very good job, actually. Well... I think stage seven is really interesting and I think it's actually probably the toughest stage because we're all looking to La Super Planche de Belfi and that climb is going to be absolutely savage. We saw Louis Meinkies running up the finish of that climb Mm. just two weeks ago. But in stage seven, we've got an early double whammy of climbs. We've got the Petit Ballon, which is nine kilometers at 8%, followed immediately with... The Col de Platz of Vassal, your favourite one, Rose, seven <laughs> yes. kilometres at 8%. And those two climbs with the, the, the stop of the first climb, the Putty Ballon, coming at 46 kilometres, they're pretty tough. And it's a real opportunity to, to shake things up. We saw how in the Giro, very early on, on stage four, Annemiek attacked very early and completely turned the GC on its head. She took Marta Cavalli and uh, Mavi Garcia with her and and the race changed and it was so interesting because I thought as a viewer well I wonder if this is going to make boring racing from now on if we know the GC but actually it did the opposite because the GC had had its doors blown off everybody attacked everybody did everything they could so are we going to see an early attack from the likes of Annemiek van Vluten on the Petit Ballon trying to go away early because perhaps she's worried she couldn't actually get that much of a gap on Marta Cavalli and you know let's not forget Kristen Faulkner Kristen Faulkner was phenomenal in the Giro d'Italia she took two stage wins she had one really rough day where she suffered with heat stroke and she lost a huge amount of time on the GC which completely put her out of the picture but after that she was climbing as an equal to Annemiek van Vluten and now as Bike Exchange have said that they're going to be supporting her as the leader for this tour I think she could be a real weapon for the overall overall GC I think that is also the concern of Annemiek van Vleuten is that she'd have to make her move early because she doesn't have uh, a strong climbing team she does not. Uh, with her be- because she's going to have the likes of Emma Norsgaard and Alenis Sierra who are presumably going to be trying to go for sprint stages or breakaway stages or you know reduce bunch sprints um, themselves. So she's going to have to make an early move because she doesn't have those that climbing skill among her ranks exactly. in order to keep it controlled until uh, 
the the very final climb so it's going to be so interesting exactly uh, what she's going to do then yeah they've they've split that team thinking that Anime can do it all alone and mm. I think until the Giro, we probably thought that she could. And I think that it's definitely put some question marks in my mind as to whether she can. It's probably put some question marks in her mind as well. And I just think we have so much strength now. I was looking at the FDJ squad and I couldn't even decide who they would go for for the leader. Grace yeah. Brown, Cecilia Ludwig, Marta Cavalli. Now they've said... They've said that they are going to ride for Cecilia Utrecht Ludwig, but I can't see this being the case. I think that out on the road that we've seen that every single time that Marta Cavalli has been the better climber. And in my opinion, Cecilia Utrecht Ludwig is phenomenal as, as a kind of punchier rider, almost like those stages that Mariana Voss goes for. Um, back in 2019, she was on the podium of La Course, which was in Po and had this incredibly punchy finish where the breakaway was caught by Mariana Voss just on the line. And those are the kind of stages which I see at Ludwig winning. Um, so I would ride for Cavalli, but you've got at Ludwig and you've got Grace Brown and you can never count someone like Grace Brown out. You know, we saw she was a hair's breadth away from winning uh, at the women's tour this year. She won Liège-Bastogne-Liège last year, of course. Um, she is a great climber and she, she's a great do-it-all rider, really. And, you know, everywhere you look, everywhere you look, there, there are threats to Annemiek van Vloot and Demi Vollering, who she won the Vuelta Velta at Burgos back in May. Um, Mavi Garcia, these threats are everywhere and these threats are real. And if these riders gang up almost on Annemiek, it could be a really difficult scenario for her. We saw the riders at the Giro putting her under pressure on the descents. And even when there was one descent that she was on on her own, she made a, in her own words, a very, very silly mistake and and crashed on on a corner, thankfully just missed a signpost. But she's worried about those descents, so I expect her to go early, but I also expect the other riders to try to put her under, her under pressure. I know we have seen in the, the men's Tour de France, the Tour de France masculin, Tour de France homme. <laughs> the Tour homme. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Tour homme, that is still, uh, still going on. How much value you can have if you, if you have a team where there's a, a, a question mark over who is the leader and it means that you can... You can play off of those um, riders, and you know one can attack and the, you know get brought back, and then the other can attack. We've seen it so it works so well so recently. And when you see a team like SD Works, where they um, have Ashley Moorman as well as having Demi Vollering or FTJ, where as you said that they have uh, Cecily Utrecht Ludwig, they also have Marta Cavalli, and they have Grace Brown. You can see that that is going to make it much more difficult for Van Vleuten to know. Uh, to be chasing all of those riders down continuously is going to be a lot harder work. And when you've got such a challenging course, uh, you know, you might not lose on one day, but those kind of efforts are, are going to stack up, aren't they? Exactly. And, you know, I've got this far and I've barely mentioned Demi Vollering, which is phenomenal. And I just realised that I've also forgotten to mention Evita Music, who's in the FDJ team as well. Yet another climbing talent and probably somebody going for the best young rider jersey, as really interestingly. And I think because teams are so focused on the overall yellow, we don't actually have that many young riders who look to be competitive in that competition. Um, you know, for instance, Neve Fisher-Black, um, Anna Shackley, those sorts of riders who who would have been such strong contenders for that, Neve Fisher-Black taking the young rider jersey at the Giro, of course. Um, and so will that, will that 
you know, aid FDJ because they'll look, be looking to have Vita Music up there or will that actually weaken them? I don't know. And I don't think so because I just think that they are so strong that their attacks could come from anywhere. And how do you see, Lizzie, that super planche de Belfi finish uh, going? Because that, I mean, that's likely really to be the big decider for the GC, mm. isn't it? How do you see it going? Because obviously it, we saw it in the in stage seven as the Tour de France, um, as I said, and that was a really dramatic uh, finish. But in women's cycling, when there's a big summit, it tends to break up a lot more uh, than it does in uh, the men's side of things, doesn't it? It does. But again, like I say, having seen what we've seen in the Giro, I think that it, it may stay together for longer. And people will be going so deep at this point. I think we will see some spectacular things, but also some spectacular explosions, which again add to the drama because it's so important and everybody's putting so much value on this. Um, and, you know, every place counts. Top 10 counts, top 20 counts. All of, all of these places mean a lot. So everybody will be fighting tooth and nail to the death on this climb. It's such... A difficult climb like as I said before Louis Mankis was running up it and the men's the riders in the Tour de France arm were grinding up that climb and we have less power we are lighter riders we have less power we we have smaller muscles than the men and so we go slower up the climbs and that makes it really difficult and really really interesting because there's a critical speed on that gravel and if you go below that you slide out so it's not just about power on that gravel it's also about bike handling and knowing how to ride it and and knowing where to put the power down and knowing you know just just having the right technique and you know a slip up on the gravel on the super part of the super planche de belle could could change the race and turn it on its head i'm gonna ask the big question then lizzie to finish who is going to win the inaugural Tour de France fam? Are you going to give me an answer? Marta Cavalli. Oh, I like that. I like that. She's, oh, I'm, got, I'm it be, she's got it she, all. She really does. It, I, well, that would be a, a fantastic uh, and a huge win for her. I was going to be very boring and just say Annemiek van, van Vluten. And then if you said Annemiek van Vluten, I would have said Demi Vollering. So all of my answers are quite... Um, I've just Boring. forgotten about Demi Vollering. And, <laughs> and that's Which what's is interesting mad. because it is mad, but also because she wasn't at the Giro. She's been away preparing. Um, and I think that could actually really benefit her because sometimes when, mm. when riders aren't in the eye of other riders or in the eye of the public, they can be slightly forgotten about. Everybody will have their eye on Marta Cavalli after her phenomenal Giro and again with Kristen Faulkner. But... Perhaps Demi Vollering will almost be flying, as ridiculous as it sounds, slightly under the radar because she she hasn't raced that much in the past two months, but she's been preparing so specifically. And Demi Vollering's the type of rider that she doesn't need to come off the back of racing. She can come off her own preparation and be absolutely on fire. So, yeah, I might be eating my words, but I'm going to put it out there and say Marta Cavalli, but I I wouldn't put it past Demi Vollering. (laughs) Yeah, I'm going to go for... I'm going to say... I'm going to back Demi Vollering because I think uh, that she's kind of... uh, It'll be an interesting test to see whether racing is the best preparation for a race like this, you know, considering all the uh, riders who went to the Giro Rosa, um, or whether training is going to be the best preparation for this because that would go into uh, Demi Vollering's hands. Well, thank you very much, Lizzie. Well, that was like a hurricane 
We whipped <laughs> whistle through stop. all of yeah whistle stop tour of uh, northeastern France uh, there. But yes, uh, a little reminder now that we will be doing daily coverage from the Tour de France fam. Uh, I'll be on the ground and I'll be ringing up Lizzie every day and, and begging her to come out and uh, and visit us. I'm already here. Her, I'm, I'm in France, Rose. I'm actually, you, you know, I'm, I'm soaking up the French atmosphere. I'm just getting the, the right vibes. So, um, yeah, I'm in the spirit of the Tour de France. I'm going to put the French flag up soon, get my yellow jersey on and uh, I'm ready to go. Perfect. Putting the beers in the fridge. You're like a method actor. You've really gone for it by, you know, buying a house. It's really gone o- overboard on it, Lizzie, but... We're, we're not really we buy a house. We didn't buy a house. We're just renting over here. But I'm in France. I'm, I'm in the theme and uh, I hope to make it to the last couple of stages and see you on the ground there, Rose. Well, we would love that. But it's going to be uh, such a thrilling race uh, anyway that... Uh, that we're all so so excited about it so make sure that you join us every night for daily coverage from the cycling podcast feminine the cycling podcast was created in 2013 by richard moore daniel freeb and lionel burney I came from a low-income family that was that was struggling. You see how hard life can get. GC became a part of my life because I don't want my family to fall back into that. I never thought education would take me this far. I'm still young. I still have a lot to do in my life and just want to get things done the way I want with a good education under me. I'm Stacy, and Grand Canyon University helped me find my purpose. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.